Jesus, you change everything. I pray that we are reminded of that this morning, that we would not just pass up this gift that you've given us, this gift of forgiveness and this gift of hope and peace and grace that is available to us right now. We don't have to wait for it. This isn't just, you have secured our eternity, yes, but we can have an abundant life now through you. And we thank you so much for that gift. God, we just praise you this morning for who you are and for what you have done. You're amazing and you are so good. Good morning, and welcome to Seminole Community Church. Happy New Year. Well, we want to begin talking about the holidays by thanking all of our volunteers who gave so selflessly of their time and their energy to make our Christmas Village and Christmas Eve such a success. We really appreciate all your hard work, and we couldn't have done it without you. And uh, since we have just completed the holidays, that means things aren't quite back to the normal routine here around Seminole. So Wednesday night, there will be no power-up or wildfire or limitless here on campus. All those groups will resume meeting next Wednesday, uh, January 13th. And also uh, tonight, there will be no collective. That's our, our college and young adult group. They'll resume meeting next Sunday night from 7 to 9. And we have a special annual event coming up soon. A week after that, that'll be January 17th, we'll be having our annual church business meeting. So if you are a member and you're interested in the financial workings of Seminole Community Church, you are invited to attend. That will be from 2 to 3 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. Well, I have a bit of good news for our youth. Fuge is back. It's on for 2021. Last year it was canceled because of COVID, but we've been given a time slot of June 28th through July 3rd. So if you're interested in going, you need to reserve your spot. Uh, As you know, it's a limited amount of people that we can take, and since it was canceled last year, it's likely to be very popular. So it's important that you reserve a spot if you want to go, and the way to do that is by making a $100 deposit, and that will be due by the end of the month. You can do that uh, by going to the church website, which is SeminoleChurch.com. Well, hopefully you received some gifts this Christmas that brought you a lot of joy and were the things that you were hoping for. But whether you did or not, there are some even more important gifts that are yours. And this morning, we're going to be hearing from Pastor Doug Holliday about 10 gifts that are ours in Christ. Well, Happy New Year! Welcome to 2021. Doesn't that feel good to say? Just to not have to say 2020 again, right? How many, aren't you hoping that 2021, hopeful that 2021 is going to just bury all of our memories of 2020? Even though 2021 sounds like 2021. Isn't that terrible? Hey, I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, online. Thanks for uh, tuning in. This is a great way to start your new year. And yes, I believe this year is going to be an excellent year. Um, we're going to get through whatever the, the world throws at us because we've got God in us. And uh, thank you for guys for being here. Listen, I hope you had a great Christmas. We definitely had an incredible Christmas here. Um, I was worn out, though, after seven services and then uh, teaching into the camera like the next day or two. 
Uh, I called Pastor Doug, and uh, Doug Holiday is one of our missionaries. We've been talking about our, our missionaries all the month of December. And I said, Doug, man, if you wouldn't mind preaching for me, and of course he is always ready to do that. I said, I remember a message you did about four years ago at uh, the discipleship, the D conference that he leads uh, in January. And I thought then, I've got to have him do that message um, about kind of the ten gifts we get. Um, I said, I don't know if I remember that. I said, yeah, it's part of the 33 gifts pamphlet you guys have. Oh, yeah. Um, so what a blessing for me, Doug, to be able to, to be in church. And uh, I'm glad I get to sit through it again. Doug is a friend of mine, um, and we have been doing ministry together for 19 years. 19 years ago this January, um, Doug pulled into my driveway of my office flying this Steeler flag, this Pittsburgh Steeler flag so proudly. And I'm like, who in the world is that with a Steeler flag? First words out of my mouth, out loud. And... um, We've had a great relationship since then. Doug, I'm depending on your Steelers. I even, you know, had them make this uh, gold and black for you uh, today because uh, I'm depending on the Steelers to beat the Browns um, or my Dolphins might not make it into the playoffs. All we have to do is win to get in, but it's, it's, uh, it's dicey for us. Uh, so even with the second string guys, I'm praying for your Steelers today, Doug. Doug is a faith missionary. In other words, friends like me and Nancy and churches support his ministry as we've talked about. He also leads two ministries. He leads Open Door Haiti. That's what we know him as mostly around here. Uh, Doug and I helped start Open Door Haiti, um, or I helped Doug start Open Door Haiti back in 2006. Can't believe it's been, it's going to be 15 years this April that I took my first trip to Haiti with you. And then he also leads Sun Life, S-O-N-L-I-F-E, which is uh, a discipleship kind of a parachurch ministry that comes along and trains youth pastors and discipleship pastors how to dis- make disciples who make disciples. Um, and I'm very excited, Doug, that you're going to come and, and share these truths um, with our church. I'm excited that you're tuning in. And, and that you're watching, so if you'll take out your outlines. But before he comes up, for those of you who are here on uh, Christmas Eve, we kind of got a two-minute recap uh, that kind of captures Christmas at Seminole. If you miss Christmas at Seminole or if you watched online, um, I invite you to tune in and watch the side screens as well.
Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. It is great to be here. And uh, I just want to begin this morning by saying thank you. Um, We just have such an incredibly generous church. And uh, I want to thank you on behalf of all of the missionary families here at Seminole. Um, throughout the month of December, your generous giving to the Christmas for Christ offering to support um, all of our missionary work. Um, just so blessed by that. So thank you. And I also want to say thank you for your incredible generosity uh, with the container that we shipped this past month to Haiti. We had a 40-foot container sitting out there that we needed to fill with all kinds of good stuff to send to Haiti. And, and you don't realize how big a 40-foot container is until you step inside of it and you realize, oh my goodness, this is enormous. We could fit everything in my house and in my neighbor's house and in my neighbor's neighbor's house and their neighbor's house. All of that we could fit in this 40-foot container. It's ginormous. Um, but we filled it. The the Christmas shoeboxes, um, all kinds of uh clothes and shoes and toys, um, food for the kids at the orphanage and our schools. I mean, the generosity of our church. We had someone uh, offer to donate their their vehicle, and uh, we, we still might take the vehicle, but we're like, yeah, I don't think we're going to get that in the container. That that could be a little tricky. Uh, someone else donated their, their golf cart, um, and, and that didn't make it on the container, so it's still somewhere around here at the church, but just incredible generosity and to see how uh, God used our church and other churches as well to fill that container, and it will be an incredible blessing uh, to the ministry there in Haiti. So thank you so much. Um, we have started a new year, and and <clears throat> the, the Christmas season is now past. I don't know what it's like in your home, but for us, it's the day after Thanksgiving that we decorate the house for Christmas and, you know, get everything out and, <clears throat> and, and set up. And it stays that way through Christmas and through New Year's Eve. But then on New Year's Day, it all comes down. And it's all put away. It's all back in the boxes. It's stored wherever it's going to be stored in the garage. Our house has been de-Christmased, except for the <clears throat> the gifts strewn about in, in various bedrooms in the house. I don't know what it's like in your house when it comes to Christmas, but that's how we roll in the holiday house. 
so as you look back just over a week ago and, and think back to this Christmas, what's the, what's the gift that is most memorable? What was the best gift that you received this Christmas? Go ahead, turn to the person next to you and just share with them best best gift that you received this Christmas. Or if you're watching online, you can go ahead and and put that in a comment. Best gift. Go ahead, out loud, with words, to one another. You know, sometimes you uh, <clears throat> you open a present. I don't know if it ever works like this for you, but but you open it up and you open the box and you see what it is and and you're grateful for it and you know there there's some excitement and some curiosity, but you kind of wonder, am I am I really going to use this or you know, <clears throat> I, I mean, it kind of looks cool, but what am, what am I really going to do with this? And it's, <clears throat> it's not until sometime later that, that you look back and you think about it and you're like, wow, that was a really great gift. You, you, you realize the value, have a greater appreciation for what it is that you received. Um, <clears throat> my wife is one of the most thoughtful, the most thoughtful gift giver in my life. You know, years ago <clears throat> on Christmas, I, I opened the, the wrapping and, and there in the box was, was uh, one of those suitcase caddies. You know, one of the things like you'd see in a hotel that you go and you put your suitcase on, fold it out. And I thought, well, that's cool. That's great. Um, uh, you know, wondering how much I would really use it. The, the reality is, with all of the travel that I do for ministry, that is permanently out in our bedroom, and I have a suitcase sitting on it all the time, open. I'm either packing or unpacking, and just incredible amount of value that I have found in that gift. Another gift that my, my, <clears throat> my wife gave me years ago, all the way back to when we were living in Kenya, Back in 2005, 2006, we were there for uh, our adoption process with our daughter. And in the little apartment that we stayed in, <clears throat> in the, the bathroom, in a closet in the bathroom, was a hot water heater. And there was a, <clears throat> a switch on the wall next to it. You had to flip that switch to turn it on so that it would heat the water. And it was always a little depressing to come in in the morning and someone had flipped the switch off, so now you come in and there's no hot water in the shower. And so we always, let's just keep that switch on, keep that switch on. But what we soon discovered was we could open that closet and we could take our towels and we could put them on that hot water heater and it would dry them and heat them. And so the next morning you'd come in for your shower and you had a hot towel. Oh, it was like luxury. And so this Christmas I opened this box and there inside of it is a towel heater. Oh my goodness. So excited all of these years later, every morning after my shower, my towel goes on that, <clears throat> that towel heater that hangs over the door in our bathroom. The next morning, I have a dry, hot towel, the luxury. Oh, incredible. 
right? You think about the gifts that you've received throughout your life. I don't know what's the most memorable or the most exciting gift that you've received, but you know, for me, I think back to like when I was seven or eight years old, and I think we've got a, a, a picture of this, but when I was that age, I was always the first one up in the house. In fact, those of you who are too young to remember this, there was a time when on television, there wasn't programming 24 hours of the day. You'd get up and I might be up at five in the morning and I'd turn the television on and there was something on the television called a test pattern. And I would literally watch the test pattern waiting for the commercials to come on TV. And so this particular Christmas morning, I'm the first one up in the house and I come out into the living room and there's the tree and all the presents and next to it, there's this tent, this little tent. You see, my dad worked in J.C. Penney's and from the sporting goods department, he brought home one of the old little display tents that they had for the real tents. And it was, it was like the real deal, you know, made out of canvas and everything. And, and I saw that. Of course, it was too awkward or big to, to wrap up. And I was so excited, you know, just imagining how I'm going to play with my G.I. Joes and what I'm going to do with my tent. And so that morning, I crawled inside, I was little enough, crawled inside, I fell asleep in the tent. And the rest of the family, when they came out for Christmas morning, they found me asleep in my tent. Of course, my brother might argue with me about whose tent it actually was. But so exciting. You know, a few few years ago, um, our girls uh, you know, we, we love to give them gifts, of course, that they're going to love and be excited about. And they had opened all of their gifts, and a lot of them, they were, they were excited and, 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 you know, squeals of delight. Uh, but we had saved the biggest and the best gift for last. In fact, the night before, after the girls were in bed, we spent a couple hours in the backyard, putting together this present. Me, my wife, my dad, we even roped in a neighbor to help us with this. We brought all the girls the next morning after they'd opened everything else over to the sliding glass doors that were covered with the blinds. We pulled back the blinds and they saw their present, a trampoline. Oh my goodness, they were so excited, shouting, screaming. They jumped so high in excitement. I think they jumped higher in that moment than they actually did when they got on the trampoline. Just that joy, that thrill of what they had received. You know, it's my hope this morning that you'll experience that kind of a joy, that kind of a thrill as we pull back the curtains and take a look and reveal the gift that belongs to you and me when we have Jesus. You know, it's fashionable in church world. Maybe a little cliche to say, Jesus is the reason for the season. 
Or Jesus is the greatest gift of all. And I think, you know, we're all here in church, so we'd probably all say, we'd nod in agreement, yes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the greatest gift. But deep in our hearts, do we really believe that? Have we really taken a look and examined and come to value and appreciate the gift that is ours when we have Jesus? You know, we've got this little booklet, 33 Things That Happen at the Moment of Salvation. And from those 33 things, we're this morning just going to look at 10 of those gifts that belong to us when we have Christ. And something you'll notice in your, your program this morning, the, the numbering might seem a little bit odd or a little bit off, uh, but that's because the numbers are listed in accordance with how they are listed, these items, in the 33 things that happen at the moment of salvation. Little booklet, little study, it's actually based on, on uh, an eight-volume collection of systematic theology by uh, uh, old-time theologian Lewis Sperry Schaefer. 33 things, and we're going to look at 10 of these gifts that are ours when we have Christ. But what you've got to understand right here at the outset is that these gifts are ours when we have Christ. You see, at the moment that you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you recognize God's love, you recognize your sin has separated you from God, you come to understand that Christ died on the cross to take care of that sin problem for you, you put your faith and your trust in him and you receive his gift of eternal life, his gift of salvation, at that moment that you receive the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation. All of these other gifts that we're going to talk about this morning, they all come with Jesus. Without him, you don't have any of these. It's all found in Christ. So the first of these that we're going to look at is this, number one, in Christ we receive forgiveness. Forgiveness. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says it this way. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. Dead spiritually, that is. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. It was not yet cut away. And then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. You have been forgiven. All of your sins, past, present, and future, all of them have been forgiven by Christ. Through what he did on the cross, there's not a sin that you've ever committed or ever will commit that was not forgiven when you put your faith in Christ and received that gift of salvation. Think about it this way. Uh, When Christ died on the cross, how many of your sins were in the future? 
all of them. And so everything that you've done in the past, the, the, the things that, that you regret, the things that you, you love to forget, the, the things that you're ashamed of that you wouldn't want anyone to know about, uh, things that might be going on in your life right now, sins that you can't even imagine that you would commit in the future, all of it is forgiven when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that, that God, he takes our sins and he casts them into the depths of the ocean where they can be found no more. The deepest part of the deepest part of the ocean, the depths of the ocean where no human eye has seen. God has taken our sins and he's deposited it where it can never be found. And then he places over that area of the ocean a sign that says no fishing. Because right? he doesn't want us going back and trying to dig that up and, 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 you know, struggle with it all over again. No, no fishing. Forgiven. Done. Elsewhere in, in, in the Bible it says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. And it's good that he didn't say as far as the north is from the south, because think about it this way. When you go north, eventually you hit the north pole, and then you're going south. North and south meet. You go south, and eventually you hit the south pole, and now you're going north. North and south meet. But if you start going east, you can just keep circling the globe Again and again and again, and you're going east the whole time. You can go west and circle the globe again and again and again, and you're going west the whole time. East and west do not meet. As far as the east is from the west, your sins have been removed from you, completely forgiven. I have a friend who... Years ago, to pay his way through college, he got one of those jobs that, that Mike Rowe, dirty jobs, would, would, would be proud of. He, he actually, he was the septic tank cleaner. Right? And so he pulled up with his, his little truck and it, it had a tank on the back of it with a, a, a motor attached to a, a nozzle and he'd hook the nozzle up to the septic tank and tighten it on there and flip the switch on the motor and it would just begin sucking all that sludge, all that crud, sucking it all out. And this one day, he goes to a house and he hooks up the nozzle of the septic tank. He flips the switch, but he doesn't realize that he didn't tighten and make a good seal on that nozzle. And as it begins to suck, it's just spraying this crud all over him. Now, in that moment, what's he going to do? Is he going to... Is he going to go to the next house and do the next job? No, he, he packed it up for the day. He left. He went home. I, I don't know if he threw his clothes in the garbage can in the garage or, you know, took them off in the, in the laundry room and, and deposited them right away, but he went immediately up to the shower and cleaned himself off. And his words were, 
It never felt so good to be clean. And you see, you and I, before Christ, we're covered in the stink and the crud of our sin. But then when we put our faith in Christ, his forgiveness washes over us and makes us clean. I want you to feel the power of the cleansing forgiveness that you have received. It is yours. You're not waiting for it. You don't have to reapply it again and again. No, you're covered. You're forgiven. All the sins that, that, that you committed in the past, present, future, you're forgiven completely. And so allow that forgiveness just to wash over you and rejoice this morning that you've been cleansed from your sin. Second thing that we receive in Christ when we receive Jesus is this. We become a child of God. 1 John 3, 1 says this. See how very much the Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. I like the way that the NIV translates this. It says, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. We're his children. In Ephesians chapter 1, it tells us that we are his children by choice, that he adopted us to be in his family, to be his child, that he loves us and he wants us and we are his dearly loved child. A few years back, I was studying through the Gospel of John and there's, there's this phrase that John uses multiple times in his Gospel to describe himself in the third person, which kind of feels weird, right? Anytime someone talks about themselves in the third person, you're like, what's wrong with you? Um, and John does that. He, he describes himself in the third person, doesn't call himself by name. He says, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And anytime I would read that, I, would, I always kind of think, John, that's kind of weird. It's kind of like you're bragging, like you're saying, well, I'm his favorite. You know, I'm the one he loves. But this day as I was sitting there and reading this and reflecting on it, it hit me. No. This is John writing at the end of his life. And looking back and still marveling at the thought, I'm the one he loves. He loves me. And, and John would be forever marked by the love of God, so much so that, that, that it defined his identity. That's who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm one that he loves. I don't think John is saying that comparing himself to any of the other disciples. 
I think he's just thinking about the fact that he is amazed by the grace and the love that Jesus showed to him. I'm the one that he loves. And, and that day as I was reflecting on that, it's like a, a bucket of cold water was poured over me. Whoosh! Like, like the love of God was dumped over me. Tears streaming down my face and just said, you know what, God? Me too. Me too. I'm the one that you love. And may my life forever be marked by your love. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we would be called the children of God. And that is who we are. That's what we are. I'm the one that he loves. You're the one that he loves. I pray that his love would wash over you, that his love would mark you today. Third gift that is ours when we receive Christ is this. In Christ, we receive access to God. Access. Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. The God of the universe, the God who made everything, God of heavens and earth, the Lord God Almighty, you and I, we have access to him. Because we are in Christ, we have access to God. Uh, kind of envision it this way, like, like you're at a, a concert or you know, some event, and, and you get an all-access pass, right? And those are cool. You know, with an all-access pass, you get to go behind this, the, the stage, you know, kind of this, this private area, and you get to meet the artist and have a little conversation, get your picture taken with them, do your selfie, you know, whatever you brought to, to, to get signed. You know, you get their, their autograph, you know, because you have all access. Well, that's a lie, Right? Because there's another level of access to those artists, those athletes, right? It's, it's the dressing room. It's, it's their trailer. It's, it's that access that is available to what? The people who are closest to them, to friends and family. Where you can have those, those heart-to-heart, those, those real, those personal conversations because there's relationship there. That's the level of access that we have to God. Not the all access behind the stage pass. No, way better than that. We have the access into God's presence because we are his child up close and personal. So we can come to him with anything, with everything. Hold nothing back. 
The famous preacher D.L. Moody said this, Some people think that God does not like to be troubled with our constant coming and asking. The only way to trouble God is to not come at all. He says, come. Come. You have access to me. It brings it brings the Father delight when we come close and we bring him whatever's going on in our life. So come. Access to God. Fourth gift that we receive in Christ is this, that we are reconciled to God. Reconciled. All this is from God, 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, now reconciled, it can, it can have uh, 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 legal, uh, legal definitions, it can have accounting definitions, and it can be applied to a relational context. And, and, and let's consider the totality of that, right, in terms of, our spiritual account before God, we are spiritually bankrupt. Our sin debt is so great, we could not pay it off in a lifetime or two lifetimes or three lifetimes. Our spiritual debt because of our sin is so great, we can never fix our debt problem. But God has chosen to reconcile that problem for us, and he's done that through Christ. You see, our sin debt uh, on, on the debt side of the ledger spiritually for us, it's been wiped out, zeroed out. It's been made clean, clean books. That because of what Christ did for us, that forgiveness applied to us wipes out our sin debt. But you see, more than that, there's the other side of the ledger. You have the debts and you have the credits. And we can't come to God with nothing to our credit. The Bible makes it clear that, that for us to get to heaven, for us to, to be in God's presence, we have to have righteousness. We have to have holiness. But we don't have that on our own. And so what God does for us is in Christ, he takes the righteousness of Christ. He takes the holiness of Christ. And he applies that to the credit side of our ledger. He applies that to our account. So now we don't come to God empty-handed. You see, when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees his son, Jesus Christ. He doesn't see your sin. He sees the Savior. He doesn't see your debts. He sees his credits, his righteousness, his holiness that's been applied to your account because of Christ. And because that reconciliation has taken place, there is a relational reconciliation that takes place as well. You see where there is has been enmity or estrangement between us and God where there has been a separation because of our sin. That separation, that estrangement is now removed. 
And now we are brought together with God. We are reconciled relationally with him. That's what God has done for us in Christ. The seventh thing in 33 things that happen at the moment of salvation. In Christ, we are made acceptable to God. Acceptable to God. Ephesians 1.4 says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Like I just said, you know, the, the, the righteousness, the holiness of Christ has been applied to our account and that makes us acceptable to God for him to receive us into his family for him to receive us into his kingdom for him to receive us into his home in heaven we are now acceptable because of christ and there in that word acceptable is the idea that you've been accepted accepted you see for 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 many of us you know we struggle and search our whole life looking for acceptance. It's something that, that the human heart was created for. There's a longing deep inside every single one of us, a hole inside of us, longing for acceptance. And we will do crazy things. We'll make crazy choices. Uh, we'll go to great lengths to try and win the approval of others and gain others' acceptance. And many will struggle their whole life in that search and still feel like they're not accepted, like they're not good enough. And there's a reason for that. It's because until we find our acceptance ultimately in Christ, there's still a gaping hole that we're trying to fill. In him, we are accepted. Dearly loved children, you are accepted by God. You find your significance in him. You find your security in him because you have been accepted. The 16th thing and 33 things that happen at the moment of salvation, another gift that we receive in Christ is this. We are redeemed we're redeemed romans 3 24 says this and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by christ jesus now to fully grasp this biblical concept of redemption you know probably one of the things that immediately comes to your mind is like redeeming coupons right um, you know, this is not coupon hoarding, um, way better than couponing, way more significant because, uh, this is against the backdrop in, in Israel's history and in the first century of slavery, right? Israel uh, had been brought out of slavery in Egypt. They had been set free. 
there in the the, the first century in in that that, that Greco Roman culture. It, it was filled with slaves. And the Bible speaks to how slaves are to be treated because it was so so common in in that culture. But but this idea of redemption is the idea that someone is a slave and you actually pay the price to redeem them. You purchase their freedom. You see, through what Christ has done for us, our freedom has been purchased. We've been set free. The Bible says that, that we are slaves to sin. We're, 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 we're slaves to death. All the things that, that we are enslaved to, we are set free from because we have been redeemed. The price has been paid to set us free. We've been bought back and set free. Eighteenth thing that we receive in salvation, another gift that is ours in Christ, speaking of freedom, is this, that we are free from the law. Free from the law. Romans 8.2 says this, Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has set you free from the power of sin that leads to death. We are free from the law. Now understand the significance of this. Now, in, in the Jewish culture, in that context, it, it's more than just the simple moral law of the Ten Commandments. In, in, in the Jewish context, the Old Testament, there's 613 specific moral and religious laws that are to be known, to be memorized, to be followed. I mean, think of the incredible burden that you'd be carrying trying to know, memorize, remember, and follow 613 specific detailed laws. You think it's, it's crazy if you can remember back to when you had to take the driver's test and remember all of, all of the specific laws and the, the, the rules of the road and all of that stuff. Nothing compared to 613 and, and so much so that of course they're going to violate these laws. Sometimes willingly, sometimes unknowingly, uh, they'd violate a law. They were lawbreakers. We are all lawbreakers. Born with a sin nature. Lawbreakers. And so in that Jewish context, what they would have to do, the high priest would annually on the Day of Atonement would bring a sacrifice, uh, an unblemished lamb that would be sacrificed, would, would be brought into the Holy of Holies and there on the altar, um, the, the sacrifice would be offered up to God for the forgiveness of the sins of the people. But that forgiveness was temporary. Hebrews, the the book of Hebrews tells us that that sacrifice had to be made again and again and again and again until the perfect sacrifice. 
until the sinless Lamb of God, Jesus himself, laid down his life. And with that, the forgiveness that is received is permanent. It's not a sacrifice that has to be made again and again and again. And the forgiveness is received. It's applied. And we are free from the burden of being a lawbreaker. Doesn't mean that that we're uh, we shouldn't strive to live for God and to obey His truth, but we are not under the penalty of the law anymore. We're free from the penalty because we've been forgiven, set free by Christ. The twentieth thing that is ours. At the moment of salvation, a gift that we receive in Christ is this. In Christ, we are brought near to God. Brought near. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. You were far away and you have been brought near. You see, apart from Christ, God is distant. He feels far away. And and people who don't have Christ, they're on this struggle, this search, trying to figure God out and, and find meaning and purpose in life. But when you receive Christ in him, you are now brought near, brought close. You can have intimacy with God. The reality is, even though God is near, it's the promise of his word. He doesn't always feel near, right? There, 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 there might be seasons where you're going through trouble or trial, and in the midst of that, calling out and pleading to God for, uh, for him to answer, you know, you're searching for for answers, for solutions, and they're not coming. And it's like, God, don't you hear me? God, where are you? And it feels like God is distant. He's not. He's near. But it feels. Or maybe it's because of our sin. And, uh, you know, we've, we've, We've done something that is an offense to God. We, we've committed a sin. And that doesn't mean that we're no longer God's child. Understand this clearly. Uh, there is nothing that you can do that would cause that relationship with God to end. You're his child. doesn't mean that, that the relationship isn't there. But just like in any relationship, when we wrong someone, when we hurt someone, it creates a, a, a barrier, a separation in that, that the good relationship, the fellowship that we have needs to be fixed. And so when we've sinned and it makes God feel like he's distant, let his nearness cause you to want to come and just confess that sin to him and say, God, I, I, I want to be near to you. I know you're near to me, but my heart's not near to you right now. I want, I want my heart to be near to you, that I could experience fellowship with you 
again. And you confess your sin and he promises. He's going to forgive that. He's going to cleanse you. He's going to draw you near. God wants nothing more than for us to draw near to him. He's near to us. And he wants us to wake up in the morning and our first thought not to be about the news or about sports or about whatever our agenda is for the day. He wants our first thought to be Jesus. And that we would wake up in the morning and our hearts so yearning for him that day that we would wake up in prayer. We would wake up in worship, God. Thank you for another day to live for you, to be close to you, to walk with you, to worship you, to serve you. This day is your day. My life is yours. Draw near to him. He is near to you. It's his promise. The 21st thing that we receive in salvation, another gift that is ours in Christ is this, that we have been delivered from the power of darkness. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You see, apart from Christ, before Christ, we are in spiritual darkness. That means there is hopelessness. There is purposelessness. But when we receive Christ, it's like the, the, the clouds roll back and the light breaks through into our life, into our heart. It's like the light switch is flipped on and we now can see clearly who God is. We can see clearly his purpose for us. We can see clearly his love for us. We can step into that because we're no longer in the darkness. Now we are in the light. Some of us, we continue to step back toward the darkness, forgetting that we've been delivered from it. But he calls us to stay in the light to stay in fellowship with him. And when, when we have Christ, our hopelessness has been turned into joy. Our hopelessness has been turned into purposefulness. Our hopelessness has evaporated and we have found the, 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 the true significance and purpose of our life in Christ. We've been delivered from the darkness that once engulfed us. It's been said that prayer is powerful. The devil smiles when we make plans. He laughs when we get too busy. But he trembles when we pray. You see, prayer is the language that God speaks. And so uh, if, if we want to keep drifting back toward that darkness and, and, and despair and, and having, having the clouds of hopelessness uh, come back in over top of us, 
one surefire way to let that be your life is to not pray. It's your plan. Try and figure it out yourself. Get busy. Try and figure it out yourself. That's a dead end street. But when you pray, you experience the power of God's presence and his reality in your life. And the hopelessness is gone. One last thing this morning, and it's number 33, and 33 things that happen at the moment of salvation. It's the last for good reason, I think you'll see, because it's this. In Christ, we receive every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1.3 says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every means every. Nothing is left out. Every single thing that you need spiritually is yours when you receive Christ. It belongs to you in him. This is the way that Peter says it in 2 Peter 1.3. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. He has given us everything we need in Christ. It's all there. And, and it's, it's my prayer this morning that, that almost like, like a gem that you can look at and as you hold it up to the light and you turn it in different directions, you, you appreciate the different facets of it. The more you examine it and turn it and twist it and look at it and hold it up under the light, it's my prayer that this morning as we looked at just 10 of these 33 things that happen at the moment of salvation, that it would be like holding up the gem of your salvation and that you would, as you examine it, that you would come to appreciate even more, value even more what you have now that you have Jesus. That you would be in awe, that you would be overwhelmed by his goodness and his grace to you. Everything that you have in Christ. I mean, these gifts, what do we, what do, we do with them? Well, first I'd say this. Be overwhelmed with gratitude. Look at what Jesus has done for you. Look at what you have in Christ. That you are his dearly loved child. That you're forgiven. May you be marked by it. May it wash over you and overwhelm you and fill your heart with this inexpressible gratitude. You, no words can't even express how grateful you are. The more and more you reflect on all that you have in Christ. This in Describable gift. That's what Jesus is. The second thing that 
I think we should do with these gifts is let them motivate us to discover more. That we would we would want to hold up that gem of Jesus and turn and look at more and more facets and, and, and discover more and more of who he is and what he has given us, what we've received in him. Obviously, you know, a simple place to start, you know, the, the, the little booklet, 33 Things That Happen at the Moment of Salvation, a free ebook that you can pick up. But even simpler than that, just open up your Bible. Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2. Filled with all of this truth, several of the verses that I share with you this morning come from Ephesians 1 and 2 and Colossians 1 and 2 because there is so much there for what we have in Christ. In fact, yeah, I think you can find if you go through those chapters, not just 10, not 20, not 30, not even 33 things, I think even more than that of what you have. When you have Jesus. And then finally, I would say this. Let these truths shape your identity. Let them shape your identity. Because this is who you are in Christ. You know, the the world around us tries to tell us who we are or who we should be. And we try to live up to those expectations. Uh, We're we're searching and trying to, uh, you know, define who we are. Here's the good news this morning. In Christ, your identity has already been determined. It's been determined for you in Christ. This is who you are. Are And so wear it, own it, live it. Let the truth about what God says about you define you, not the, not, not the lies about what the world says about you. This is your identity. Know it, own it, live it. And may, we, may we be forever overwhelmed by the gift that we've received in Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you this morning for the gift that is ours in Christ. And Father, for anyone who's listening right now who hasn't yet received this gift, I pray that the truth that they've heard this morning would draw their heart to you. That they'd recognize your love. That they'd recognize that their sin has created this separation, this distance. But you and your great love have offered that your son Jesus would hang on a cross to pay the price, the penalty for our sins so that we could be reconciled, so that we could be brought near to you. And that if we would simply put our faith and our trust in Jesus and what he's done for us, 
that you would welcome us with open arms into your family to be your child, to be forgiven. Father, for each of us this morning who already holds in our hands, in our life, the gift of Jesus, I pray that we would look down and we would see with fresh eyes what we have in him. Fill our hearts with gratitude. Let us be overwhelmed that we are the one that you love. We're the one that you love. You sent your son for us. You want to be near to us. But you've forgiven us. Thank you, Father, for the incredible, indescribable gift that Jesus is. In his name we pray. Amen.